So good to have you all here. Wanted to bring you guys up to speed real quick with a couple, a trip that just happened and a trip that is happening. So we just um, had a little bit more of an informal kind of a, um, a small informal team, but they did some really amazing things. Uh, they just returned from Ecuador and it was uh, the Garcias, uh, James and Jackie and their daughter Annie and then John Centennial, one of our elders, were down there. And it was basically just um, trying to d- more deeply connect with uh, a man named Claudio, some of you have heard of, who is working hard at planting churches in Ecuador and trying to figure out kind of like our partnership with him and what that's going to look like as we move to the future. It's not like a super official thing yet uh, in terms of like uh, sister churches or something like that, but we're trying to head in that direction and see what the Lord might have for us there. And so they just had a great time encouraging him and his family and connecting with them and dreaming about the future and encouraging them towards health in their ministry. And uh, so if you see uh, James and Jackie or John or Annie, um, encourage them, ask them questions. They'd feel loved by that. There's some videos on Slack with some updates that you can go and see, just real short kind of update videos that they, that they posted last week. So do that. And in addition, um, my wife Kim and Autumn and Caleb over here, um, are going to North Africa on Friday. And similar thing, it's just basically a ministry of encouragement. They are planting churches in a city that has very, very little gospel witness out of 400,000 people in a Muslim culture. It's very hard work. They're very isolated. And so having people to come and pastor them as those that are working to make disciples in that location is very significant. Um, so we're going basically just to encourage them. How's your marriage? How's your parenting? How's your team dynamics? Those are the things that burn people out. Those are the things that send people home. It's not typically intense persecution, although that does happen. But it's the, the, the family type stuff. And so to have a pastoral presence come and engage that way is very meaningful for them. And it's to communicate that we love them. So we want to say thank you to you guys for sending us there so that we can serve in that way. And the teenagers are going to hang with their kids. There's seven kids between two families. And so they're going to hang with kids at night so we can take them out to dinner and just have meaningful conversations. And so, um, yeah, would you pray for us as we go? We leave on Friday, and we'll be back a week after that. Um, And why don't we pray right now a prayer of thanks for what has happened, a a prayer of um, expectancy for what will happen uh, next week, and, and then we'll get into the text. Let's pray. Father, we trust you. We ask for your help. We ask for your um, just grace to cover these desires of our hearts. And you say that you promise to provide. You have provided in some really neat things happening in Ecuador. Thank you so much for Garcia's and for John um, going down there and continuing to move the ball down the field when it comes to relationships for the sake of seeing church planting happen among the nations. May that continue to happen, and may we continue to move the ball down the field to see your name cherished and and churches planted that fearlessly proclaim your name in in the darkest places of the world spiritually. Um, May that happen next week as well in, uh, in North Africa. So, Lord, would you help us? We ask for your help. Lord, we ask for your help now as we turn to your word and we think about very similar themes themes that fuel our passion to see churches planted here in Madison 
and among the nations. And may these, these things that we will see this morning from your word sink deep into our hearts. May you speak to us, God, from your word. May we have, more importantly, may we have ears to hear. So open our ears by the power of your spirit. Those that already believe, those that don't yet believe, would you open our ears by the power of your spirit for, the, for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. It's the account of Jesus' life from one perspective. And we're going to be Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Matthew 4, 18. And I'll read this for us. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on there, from there, he saw two other brothers, James and uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. What does it say about someone who's willing to immediately change their way of life so starkly change their form of employment and follow Jesus. Immediately leave their job for the sake of Jesus and where he wants to lead them. Did you catch that in the text? Think about what it says in verse 20. Look at verse 20 and verse 22. Immediately they left. Immediately they left. They left their nets. And followed him. Verse 22, immediately they left. So twice in four verses, immediately they left. Immediately they left. About 22 years ago, when my wife um, was in medical school, first semester, University of Iowa, probably about 1999, yep, um, she just had this deep burden that medical school was not the right thing for her. We were engaged at the time. And it wasn't that she couldn't handle the work. She did fine with the workload. And it wasn't that, um, you know, it was like the campus environment or relationships or anything like that. She just had this deep sense that medical school was not the right avenue for her. And so... We were agreed on that as we were going to be married in a few months. But then we had to call her parents. And that was not a phone call that we were looking forward to. Now, as a parent, now, I mean, I'm, I'm closer to my kids going to medical school than I was to that event 22 years ago, right? So I'm thinking more like a parent now. And if y'all go to medical school and you call me and say that you want to quit, I'm probably not going to be pumped about that, right? Um, you can imagine why that is, right? Um, there's, there's grace, and we'll figure it out. But, uh, but, like, you know, that's a prestigious job, 
in our culture. And you want those kind of things for your kids. It's a good way of life. You can serve people. You're making decent money, making good money. And that represents some security. That represents some stability. And as a parent, those are the things that you think of first for your kids. You don't want them, like, living on the street corner, right? That's not something you hope for your kids. So this would be the opposite of that, right? Good living, good paycheck, stability, safety, security. Those are good things, parental perspective. And so her parents, they were not pumped. There were some tears from mom, some significant resistance from dad. And I'm just engaged to this woman, so I'm trying to figure out what's my place in this deal, right? That was tense. That was hard. You're leaving medical school? What the heck? Why? Well, 22, late, 22 years later, it's all been worked out. There's no weirdness. And uh, she ended up going to PA school, and, you know, and they've totally dealt with that situation. And looking back, they've, all, they've admitted to us that we made the right call. Um, at the time, they couldn't see it. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Verse 20, look at what it says. They left their nets. Verse 22, they left the boat with their father. What does that say about these first disciples? Maybe more importantly, what does that say about Jesus? It's like Jesus is saying, he doesn't say it, but it's like he was saying, follow me. Oh, and by the way, you got to leave the nets behind. Follow me, dad and the boat can't come. Follow me. You got to leave the nets behind. But again, what do those nets represent? I mean, this is again why it's so important to place yourself imaginatively in the world of the text. What do those nets represent? We read this so quick. Like, this is my quiet time, five minutes, my assigned Bible reading, Matthew chapter four, they left their nets immediately, left their nets immediately, and on to the next thing. Stop Think about it. What does that represent? That represents a way of life. That represents their security. That represents a, a, a bank account of sorts. That represents, you know, their livelihood, their ability to buy things, to feed themselves, to have a place to live. This is money. So if you're James and John's parents, if you're Peter and Andrew's parents, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you thinking? What, I mean, dad's here in the text, Zebedee. It's like, you're, you're just heading out with him, like what, boats, nets? Like, I thought we were in this family business together. Would we react more like Kim's parents? I would. Unless, unless there are some things that are more important than having complete control of your finances. Unless... The guy who's calling you and you're hearing is more compelling, more captivating, and trustworthy than a bank account, right? See, for some reason, for these guys, he was worth it. Jesus was worth it. They believed he was worthy of being followed in a risky kind of way. They believed he was worth more than those nets that represented stability and security and safety. So as we think about this, it says a lot about their values, right? 
It says a lot about their values. We've got nets on the one side, you got Jesus on the other. What's it going to be? It's going to be a perception of security and stability and safety, and you've got Jesus on the other side. What, what does he represent? And he's calling out, what does he represent? Which is it going to be? So I think the question for us is, do we join them? Do we join them? Because here's the deal. Jesus by his spirit is still calling. Jesus by his spirit is still calling. The call of Jesus happens through his word, through his people. And he calls out to the world still and says, follow me. Follow me. And I'll, I'll too make you fishers of men. Follow me. Follow me. He, he calls out and he says, don't trust in riches where moth and rust are going to destroy. Don't trust in possessions that are here today, gone tomorrow. Guess what? The word of the Lord, the Bible says, calling out to us. The word of the Lord stands forever. There's temporary versus eternal. Which would you rather have? He just lays it out. See, if we place ourselves imaginatively in the world of the text, you can sense a little bit like if I was there, what would I have done? That sounds kind of crazy. That's a little nerve-wracking. I'm leaving my sense of security behind. But here's something I think we need to think about. 2019, Madison, a lot of us in this room, in this demographic, in this, you know, I know most of you here, there's a sense of stability, safety, and security, Right? But it's so flimsy. It's so fake. Really, it is. I mean, just, we don't have to look that far back in just the history of this country or even just the history of the world if you want to be a good student of history and see that any type of hope in this world as ultimately secure and stable, it's just fake. I mean, if you were a, a building contractor in 2008, talk to them about stability and security, right? Gone in an instant. Some of you have grandparents that lived through the Great Depression. Ask them. My sense of security, stability, safety, my ability to maybe provide for myself can be gone in an instant. See, God's word calls out, Jesus calls out to these first disciples, God's word calls out to us in the same way this morning by the power of the Spirit and says, don't trust in your bank account. It's not as secure as you think. It's here today, gone tomorrow. The word of the Lord stands forever. So what are we going to trust? See, here's a question I think we should all wrestle with. And this isn't a question to make you feel guilty. It's just a question that we should all wrestle with. Maybe the answer is, I'm doing okay. And that's good. Some of you are doing okay with this, but here's the question. Is there some form of financial control, something that, like I'm clinging to something financially? That's what those nets were, right? It's my, it's my means to more money, a job. Is there some form of financial control that's holding you back from really following Jesus in the way that you hear him call? Like, for example... We know there's a general call that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And we're, we're doing that specifically at this church. And you hear leaders here talk about that all the time. 
Man, some of you, when you hear me talk about the nations, your heart kind of skips a beat a little bit. But then there's that resistance. What about the kids? What about my 401K? Right? I can't give my life to the nations because what about, man, this financial stability? Or maybe it's I can't be generous in the way I want to be generous because what does that mean for my financial future? I can't, I can't take a new job that's going to mean a little bit of a pay cut so that for the sake of having more time to invest in my family, to invest in my neighbors that don't know Jesus. Because, man, I just got to keep that salary going. Right? I wonder this morning if some of us are hearing God's call about something more specific, but holding our nets is holding us back. Is that possible? Is that possible? Here's another angle on it. Think about it like this. We look at this text and we think that they left their security behind. But maybe they were trading something less secure for something way more secure. What's more secure than Jesus, right? What's more secure than Jesus? Like, what do we all fear ultimately? What's the ultimate fear? It's the fear of death, right? And the one who calls out to them is the one who conquered death. So what's more secure than Jesus? What's more secure than knowing that when he calls, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going where he goes. I'll just be real straight. Um, the first time, because I'm, I'm doing this on Friday, uh, the first time that we went to North Africa, I was freaked out. I was really nervous. And, and um, my wife, she's more courageous than I am. She's like, go. What are you, what are you? She didn't say it like this, but essentially it was like, what are you so scared about? Go. It's going to be fine. But, you know, it's like you watch, you're going into a Muslim culture, you watch all these movies, you watch all these headlines. You know, Muslims want to kill white people. You know, it's not true. It's not true. Everybody still thinks that because the first question that I always get is, is it safe? Right? And you guys heard me say this before, but it's just like, like, safety's not high on Jesus' agenda. Right? Like we, we follow a murdered Savior who walked headfirst into the darkness. Right? We're not looking to be martyred, you know? And we're, probability-wise, everything's very, very safe. It's way safer to go to North Africa, statistically speaking, than to get on the Beltline. You know what I'm saying? In terms of just car accidents. So we have a skewed perspective, I think, of safety. But man, I just wonder, like, why do we define security in financial terms? Isn't it true that Jesus is more secure and following him? He's more secure than our money. He's more secure than trying to manage my life so that I can avoid any type of hardship at all costs. Man, it's like, I just want to go where he goes. That's where security is. And I know he's calling us to engage church planting where there is no witness. So let's go where he goes, right? I, I know he's calling us to engage those that don't know Jesus here in Madison. So let's go where he goes. But here's the point. I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's the point. 
these guys, they left real nets. And I'm asking us, can we at least ask the question, are there some uh, imaginary safety nets that are holding us back from following Jesus? Now, here's the, 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 the qualifier. Here's the, the, the hypothetical objection that isn't hypothetical in some of your minds right now. Am I calling us to be reckless? Right? Like, should I just, well, what am I supposed to do then? Just, like, give all my money away and have my kids live on the street? And, and like, you know, that's not the deal. Like, I think it's, it's okay to have a 401K. It's okay to be wise with money. I'm not calling you to be stupid with money. I'm just asking us to ask the question, are there ways in which we're clinging too tightly? Because my contention is this. I know most of you in this room, most of us in this room are not erring on the side of falling off the cliff of being reckless. I don't know anybody. And if, and if I see you, like, your kids are hungry because you're giving too much money away, we'll rein, we'll rein you in, okay? Nobody is falling off that cliff. You with me? So maybe we're probably on the other side, and we could be falling off the cliff of clinging too much to our nets and our security And so I'm just saying, let's just lean this way maybe a little more. I think Jesus is calling us, based on this text and how he likes to call people, to say, it's okay, you're with me. Like, Zebedee's going to be okay. Okay, you can come with me. Like, I think we might need to lean that direction. Let's just at least ask the question. We want to lean that direction collectively as a church, and we are. And so, it's, and so like, if you're a member of this church, if you're down with what we're doing, if you're praying, you're giving, you're, you're, you're a part of our covenant and fellowship, and we're doing it together, so be encouraged. And I want to ask us individually, are there ways that we want to do that that are unique to you as individuals? So here's the point. They left, verse 20, verse 22, to follow where Jesus wanted to take them. By faith, they trusted as they heard because they evidently, obviously, they they knew he was more secure. They knew he was more valuable. They knew he was more trustworthy than that, than these nets that that are just going to rot and be gone in a matter of years. And then what did they, what happened after that? What happened after that? So they, they rise up, they follow, they listen. Jesus calls, they rise up, they follow, they listen, and then what happens? Verse 19 happens. They receive their mission. And he said to them, follow me. And basically he just promised them what's going to happen in the future. I will, future tense, right? I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. So two years ago, um, my... Two boys and I got to go on an amazing fishing trip. And we went three hours north of the Canadian border. And in this super isolated place, okay. Um, This is like a two-hour drive going 10 miles an hour over these roads that needed like four by four. And then once you got there, you got in a boat and, and drove 20 minutes in the boat to this island um, and so like a three-hour journey from the nearest, you know, like civilization, basically, out in the middle of nowhere, no cell phones, no nothing. There was a big group of us camped out on this island fishing uh, for four days straight. It was amazing. 
So we got used to, like, I don't know if you all have fished in Canada before, but, like, I've, I'm not a fisherman. So my experience of fishing was in the state of Iowa where you might get one fish every summer, right? <laughs> and this was, like, literally every five minutes. Boom, fish on. Boom, fish on. Walleye just hammering us. And these are big guys. Like, smallest one was probably, like, 10 inches. And so just fishing, fishing. So I got used to feeling what the normative size fish was, you know, about a you know, 12, 14-inch walleye. Well, three days in, I just get hammered. And it's like you get that feeling of like, oh, this is a big one. This is a big one. And I start reeling it in, reeling it in, and I see this northern pike just monster come out. He raises up, rah, his big teeth, and he's rolling because that's what they do when they're scared. Um, and so it's, I'm reeling it in, reeling it in. I'm like, Embers is right here, my, my son Emery. Like, Emery, get the net, get the net. So we got to get this guy. He's a big guy. Got to have this big net. Bring him in the boat. And he's rolling right by, right, it's right here. I can still see it in my eyes. And snaps the net. Or I'm sorry, snaps the line. He snaps the line. And we're just like, oh, man, everybody in the boat could see that this guy was a monster. And he snapped the line. We didn't get it in the boat in time. He took my, you know, the lure still stuck in his mouth and took it with him. And we just oh man that's the worst you know so we start fishing again throw a line out again got a new lure on there boom five minutes later I just get hammered again like dude these fish out here are enormous and so I'm, I'm reeling it in reeling it in Emers get the net same drill Emers get the net get the net and this time the line didn't break we got him into the into the boat big fish I think we got it on the on the screen here for you um um, yeah, so that's a, that's a trick that I learned on this trip is when you catch a fish, you hold it out in front of you for the perspective of making it look bigger than it actually is. But that was a 33-inch fish. Uh, we guessed it weighed, you know, maybe 15 pounds or so. Um, but what was really amazing is we got the fish in the boat, and we were getting the, the lure out, and we realized that there were two lures in his mouth. I caught that fish twice. This is a big lake. I caught that fish twice. Um, I was just blown away. I just felt like that was a, a gift from the Lord for me to standing right here sharing this sermon illustration. It's like, I'm going to give you that fish twice so you can tell that story. Um, but man, the fishing there was unbelievable. We caught, we estimated that we caught probably about 300 fish, mainly walleye, between 17 of us in four days. And we ate about 250 of them. It was crazy. I mean, it was like the guide on our trip had a deep fat fryer. And they, those fish would be swimming an hour later in our stomach. I mean, as fresh as it gets. So good. Every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, walleye. And we didn't, we didn't get sick of it. It was so good, right? So the best fishing ever, I'd totally recommend it if you are that kind of a person. Um, Canada is amazing. The only, the only downside is, my word, when the sun goes down, can I get a shout out, Michael, for Canada? <laughs> the only downside is when the sun goes down, those mosquitoes are like a horror movie. I mean, it's crazy. Never, I mean, grown men, boys, full clothes, coats, like, it was, it was like swarms of mosquitoes. I mean, you got to be in your tent. It was crazy. But here's the deal. We learned very quickly on this trip that the fish, they rarely actually jump into the boat and say, here I am, come get me, right? That doesn't happen. The fish don't jump in the boat. 
as easy as that fishing was and as enjoyable as that was, they still don't just jump in the boat. The fish don't come to you. You have to go to them. And that's what we're seeing Jesus do here. He's saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what, you know what that means? It means you're not going to wait around for them to jump in the boat. You're going to go to them. You're going to go to them. He doesn't wait for his disciples to attract people to, 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 to them, for, for, for people to be attracted to them through lifestyle or whatever. He sends them out. And we're going to see a formal commissioning in chapter 10 in a few weeks, this formal commissioning of him sending them out. And here's the point for many of us that I wonder about. That again, I just want us to ask us this question. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing our faith, when we think about being on mission for Jesus, it's never going to be less than some type of going. And I, I fear that some of us think that the fish are just going to jump in the boat. Like we've got this big building, we'll just wait for them to show up to us. I mean, we've got the sign on the belt line, my word, that's, that's publicity, Right? Historically, that might have been the case in a more churched culture. But increasingly, we are becoming more and more post-Christian as a nation. And I think increasingly, we're going to see fewer and fewer people just walking off the street because they see a sign that says church. It's going to imply even more so a going. It's always implied a going, but even more so in our culture, Madison 2019, a going. A mindset of Jesus' people that are willing to leave nets to also be willing to go. To go. This has always been the case. Matthew 28, let me remind you. He said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. He didn't say stay. He didn't say stay and make disciples. He said go and make disciples. I'll be with you. He says in Acts 1. Before he's ascended to the position of authority, the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. Before that, he's going to leave them in physical form and then soon reign among us by the power of the Spirit. Before that, he says to them in Acts 1.8, and you, my followers, will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Think about this. We are the ends of the earth. Have you ever thought about that? We are, Madison, right now. This, from the perspective of that text, Acts 1-8, being heard for the first time, people in the Middle East hearing that they're going to go to the ends of the earth, they couldn't fathom where we are right now. And here we are. So think about it like this. The reason why, in some sense, sovereignty of God as a given... On the human side of things, the reason why you sit here right now is because someone went. There's been a going that you've been a recipient of. Right? I can trace it back to my grandparents, Lutherans in Denmark or Norway. And the gospel got to Norway at some point. And my grandpa became a Christian. Great grandpa became a Christian. And then they moved, they immigrated over here. So you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a going that's always been normative 
all throughout church history that began with these guys that we are recipients of and we, we live and move and breathe in the image of a God who himself goes, right? That's the essence of the gospel, that Jesus went and became incarnate to save us. So it doesn't, it's not hard to figure out that when we're created in his image, we're going to do the same thing. Those that follow Jesus are those that go. So let me ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, where are you going? Let me say it again. Collectively as a church, we're doing it. So half of the question's already answered. If you're giving and praying and part of our covenant of fellowship, you're doing it. We're going as a church. We're going in Madison. We're going to Ecuador. We're going to Morocco. And some of you are doing a great job of this individually as well. You're going across the office and not being afraid to say, have you ever considered this Jesus guy? I know it's probably not a conversation we have at the office all the time. But I'm just curious, like, do you have any spiritual thoughts? Do you have any spiritual convictions? I want to hear them. Would you mind if I shared mine? Some of you are already doing that. Some of you could start doing that. You could think about going in your workplace. You could think about going in your neighborhood. There's people that need to hear. Going across the street, hey, would you like to come over to my house? I'd love to just hang, get to know you better, have a meal. You're going by financing someone else's going. We're doing that collectively as a church, and we want to keep doing it. Thank you for sending us to North Africa next week. Thank you for sending a lot of our people that are going to Ecuador in three weeks for a church-wide trip. Thank you for supporting Redeemer City as we helped with their building a few weeks ago. Thank you for those of you on the East Side core team. Man, thank you. Some of us go by praying up someone else's going. Man, we, we can never diminish the power of prayer. What did Jesus say? He said, the fields are white for harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers and send them out. Prayer is the fuel of our going. Some of you are doing such a great job and so faithful in prayer. Let's join in that. So here's my question. Who's the recipient of your going? Who's the recipient of your going? And here's the deal. Some, again, no guilt, no pressure. A lot of you hear me say that, and you're like, oh, I can't think of anybody. And it's like, I'm going to leave here feeling guilty. Or I'm going to leave here and just like, I'm going to try to conjure up some going that if Zach ever sees me in the lobby and asks me, I'm going to have a, an answer ready. You know what I mean? That's not the point. If you're feeling that, you don't have that thing in your mind, if you have that thing in your mind, I just say keep doing it. If you don't have that thing in your mind, no pressure, no guilt, simply this. I want to commend you, I want to commend you to start just praying about it. Just pray, just confess that to the Lord. Lord, I want to join you in the going. I want to join where you are. I want to join where your people are. I want to be all in for the sake of your mission. But I don't know where that is. And I feel like weak and unqualified. Yeah, join the team. We all do. I, I'm, if you think that I'm a professional Christian that has it all together, no. I feel weak and unqualified just like so many of you. And I'm, I'm preaching this to myself. Lord, would you, provide, would you provide more places for us to go, for myself, for my wife, my kids, my family, for us as a church? Just ask that prayer. Just ask the Lord to do that. He loves 
to answer that prayer. So don't leave here with pressure. Just leave here with a praying heart. God loves to answer that prayer. He loves to provide. Because this is smack dab in the center of his will. He says, if you ask for anything according to my will, believe that you already have it. 1 John 5. If you ask anything according to my will, believe that you already have it. 1 John 5, 14. And I know this going, based on the text I've already said to you this morning, is part of his will. So man, just ask. Just ask. Following Jesus means we're probably going to leave some things behind. Going somewhere for the sake of mission. And here's the deal. Don't be sad about that. Don't be sad about what you have to leave behind. Jesus is more valuable. Jesus is more secure than our silly, fake securities that are just so flimsy. Jesus is better. Jesus is worth it. Let's pray. Father, would you help us in our going? Would you help us in our leaving? May we trust you more than anything else. We need you. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.